as we prepare to hear God's word read and proclaimed. Let us pray for illumination. Prepare our hearts, Holy One, to accept your word. Silence in us any voice but your own, that hearing we may also obey your good and life-giving will. In Christ, amen. Our scripture reading comes from the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Startle us, O God, with the truth and joy and love of your word. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Jeff is 26 years old. He gave his life to Christ as a teenager when he was on a youth retreat and he was all in. Youth group, mission projects, Bible study, he did it all. He joined Campus Crusade in college and he spent his Friday nights evangelizing in his residence hall and his spring breaks converting people on the beach. He was totally sure about Jesus. Then in his 20s, his certainty started to break down and so did his faith. He found himself disagreeing with his church friends. He made some mistakes at work and in his social life and wasn't sure how to handle that. His college girlfriend decided he was no longer good enough and broke up with him. And these days he wonders, has Jesus broken up with me too? Jeff's faith isn't working because he's got to figure out that following Christ isn't about being perfect. It's about receiving grace. 
Monica is 43. She is a wife, mother, and professional. Most days she knocks it out of the park in all categories. And she feels completely lost and overwhelmed. For most of her 30s, she felt like the most important thing was achievement and getting things done. And so she did that, including with her faith. She attended all the right church mission activities, met with the mom's group, dragged her kids to worship and to Sunday school, and even got her husband to go to church much of the time. But lately, she's been wondering what it's all for, because all the achievement isn't bringing her much joy. I'm not growing in faith, she thinks. Is church nothing more than another place to have to meet expectations? Byron retired six months ago at age 62. He made plenty of money. The kids are off to college. He's got his health. And his wife still leaves for her job at the hospital every day at 7. Byron is lonely and has no clue what he's going to do with the rest of his life. All his friends were work friends, and they're still working. He spent so much of his time at the office that he doesn't have a lot of hobbies, and he's already sick of playing golf three days a week. At night, he looks at the ceiling trying to fall asleep, and he wonders... Who am I? He's gone to church all his life because it seemed like the right thing to do. But lately, for the first time, he's started to wonder, maybe I need God's help to figure this out. Theologian Brian McLaren starts a recent book with these words. Faith was never intended to be a destination, a status, a holding tank, or a warehouse. Instead, it was to be a road, a path, a way out of old and destructive patterns and into new and creative ones. As a road or way, it is always being extended into the future. These words are for individuals, and they are also for communities of faith. And so McLaren continues, If a spiritual community only points back to where it has been, or if it digs in its heels where it is now, it is a dead end or a parking lot, not a way. To be a living tradition, a living way, it must forever open itself forward and forever remain unfinished, even as it forever cherishes and learns from the growing treasury of its past. In a recent sermon, I shared another quote from that same book. McLaren writes to all of us, you are not finished yet. You are in the making. You have the capacity to learn, mature, think, change, and grow. You also have the freedom to stagnate, regress, constrict, 
and lose your way. And then he asks, which road will you take? This Sunday, we come to the end of a sermon series in which I have spoken to you about the four pillars of our emerging strategic plan. And the idea I am focusing on today is the most important one. The first pillar of our plan is called Dynamic Spiritual Pathways. It presents a challenge. For people like Jeff and Monica, and Byron, and for the community we all share, what is the role of the church? Will we treat faith as a static destination, or will we take people on the journey of a lifetime? Which road will we take? This morning's scripture may be instructive. It presents the same challenge. We can see the story of Jesus like a history lesson about something that took place to one man long ago. Or we can treat it like what it is, an invitation to a journey for all of us. The scripture is one I'm sure many of you have heard before. The first lines of the Gospel of John are commonly read as a part of Christmas worship. I wonder if you've ever thought much about what it means. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. That's the way John describes the birth of Jesus. In John's version, there are no shepherds, no wise men, no Mary and Joseph, no star, and no manger. Instead, eternal word and life and light out of darkness. This is who our Savior has been since the very beginning of time. Theologian Richard Rohr sums up this idea, joking that Christ is not Jesus' last name. <laughs> to claim that Jesus is the Christ, the eternal word, is something much more, much deeper, and profoundly important for you and for me. God has a divine purpose and intention for the goodness of the world. And it has, ex it has existed since the beginning of time. Christ is a name for this good purpose. At one very important time in human history, a human being called Jesus walked among us as a particular manifestation of that goodness. He was born of a woman. He grew and increased in wisdom 
He gave us a vision of how to live together. He offered healing and forgiveness. And he endured all of the pain and sorrow that comes with human existence. He brought joy to those who followed him, for he himself was full of love and joy. That was Christ's presence in one place and time. It exists still today, and it will be here long after you and I are gone. The life of Jesus is part of a spiritual pathway that began at the dawn of time and will continue until the end of time. And we are invited to come. Jesus' life is not a history lesson we are supposed to memorize. It is an invitation to a journey we are invited from whatever point at which we begin to join on the sacred path and to grow. Knox Presbyterian Church is committed to growing. About 18 months ago, in an effort to figure out where to devote our energy next, this congregation asked its members to complete a lengthy survey. We are thankful that so many of you took the time. The survey took, told us a lot of wonderful things about our congregation and what you think about it. Knox is a great place for worship and music. It is a place that cares about children and youth. We care for people who are struggling with grief and loss or a tough transition in life. We are committed to mission. We are a place that asks thoughtful questions about God and the world. The survey also told us about places where we can do better. We can go deeper in mission. We can improve our stewardship of this building and our other resources. And we can do better at assimilating new members and helping people to find their place in this community. Each one of these needs became a pillar of our strategic plan, which I've been telling you about in the last three sermons. The fourth area of growth is the hardest. This congregation scored rather low when it came to what the survey called spiritual vitality. That is to say that you told us many times you struggle with things like sensing the presence of God in everyday life or making connections between the rest of your week and what happens here on Sunday and that the church isn't doing enough to help you with that. I will be honest with you. As the pastor of this place, my first reaction to that feedback was, ouch. I've been here for almost a decade, so I must bear some responsibility for that failure. Perhaps I'm not really cut out for this work after all. 
And then I had a chance to digest that feedback and to see how this congregation's leadership began to respond to it. And I've started to feel differently about it. Every congregation, every congregation has things that it does well and things that it can do better. Most old established congregations like this one are good at things like worship services and programs and activities, weddings and funerals. And many traditional congregations are criticized for kind of resting on our laurels and not being attentive to what some might call spiritual vitality. And that's why in the wider culture, many people are leaving churches like this one. Here's how Knox is different. We've decided to do something about it. While I'm choosing to talk about it last in this series, the first and most important pillar of our new strategic plan is this one, creating dynamic spiritual pathways to grow in faith. We want to listen to stories like the ones of Jeff and Monica and Byron and help people to go deeper in their walk with God. We want to help that happen, whether it is through Bible study or music or a prayer group or a service op opportunity, a way that we commune with God's creation or with one another in fellowship groups. All these things we've been doing for a long time, we want to think again about how we do them. And we want to do this through any number of ways we haven't ever thought of before, but that we will think of with God's help. And you know what's really wonderful about that? It means that Knox Presbyterian Church is committed to growth. We are not stagnant. We are not settling. We want to learn, mature, think, change, and grow. We can hear the feedback our congregation gives us, and we can respond to it. We are not finished yet. We are in the making. Today is what we call Commitment Sunday. And that means it's the day that the church always asks you to make your annual commitment, to turn in your pledge, and to offer your time, talent, and treasure. This might be the worst stewardship sermon ever. <laughs> because on the doorstep of asking you to turn in your pledge, I have actually stood here before you today, and I have told you point blank that this congregation scored poorly on spiritual vitality. But here's the thing. We're committed to growth. We're committed to going someplace together with God where we haven't been before. And in that sense, I'm telling you something we don't usually say on Commitment Sunday. I'm telling you on Commitment Sunday that Knox is committed 
to you. Of course, as we shared last week in worship, there's really no we and you in all of this. There is only us. The current group responsible for the session and the board of deacons and our strategic planning team, they are you and will evolve again every time we elect a new class of leaders in February and every time we welcome a class of new members. And likewise, it will take commitment from all of us if Knox is to be a church that continues to grow in faith. And so I ask you a question this Commitment Sunday, one that is simple and one that is also very important. Will you be a part of this journey with us? Which road will you take? Amen.